Since 1972, Braun Industries has been a custom ambulance manufacturer focused on safety, quality, and innovation. Each Braun module is unique well beyond the chassis it's built on. With six ambulance models, limitless features, and all customizable options, let Braun assist you in designing the perfect custom ambulance to suit your needs. Learn more at www.braunambulances.com. Is your fire department prepared to face challenges like the turbulent economy, recruiting and retention, and funding? Level up and get the training and strategies you need on the issues that matter most at WAVE 2023. Featuring ESO Training Academy on April 11th through the 14th, 2023 in Austin, Texas. ESO, a leading provider of fire RMS and EPCR software, brings together national industry leaders, quality training, and experienced fire and EMS professionals for a unique conference experience that will inspire you to drive change within your organization and prepare for 2023's challenges. For a limited time, our listeners can use the discount code FIRETRUCK to save $100 on a full four-day conference pass. Don't miss this opportunity to learn from some of the nation's top experts in emergency services. Visit ESOWave.com to register today. That's E-S-O-W-A-V-E.com. See you in Austin on April 11th through the 14th, 2023. This podcast is brought to you by Flex 7 from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, empowered with the strength of enforced technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit tenkatafabrics.com slash flex7. Flex 7, powered by Enforced Technology, only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Hi, Chris McClune here with Fire Apparatus and Emergency Equipment. Welcome to this episode of Talking Trucks and Equipment. Today, my guest is Chief Michael Greco. He is a volunteer chief with the Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey Fire Department, also a career firefighter with the Hackensack Fire Department. You may, as, uh, you may know the name uh, because I'm pretty sure he is a record holder for the most number of covers ever to, uh, to appear on the most, num- the most covers ever uh, of Fire Engineering Magazine. So, Chief, thank you very much. Uh, for for joining us today. We're going to talk about a few different things. Uh, Chief Greco is going to talk a little bit about himself. He's going to uh, kind of give us his history of how he got into the fire service and, uh, you know, what what he's doing now as as chief, uh, some of the training organizations he's been involved with. Um, We're going to talk about apparatus purchasing. What is uh, interesting to me uh, is that, well, it's, it's not that it's interesting to me, you have to kind of come out of your comfort zone uh, sometimes or out of your out of your box. Um, I know for me, when when my fire company specs out a new rig, we don't have to go necessarily through the same process that Chief Greco does with his authority having jurisdiction. So uh, so I want to talk a bit about that because there are nuances to that uh, that he's going through right now at this moment in time. Uh, 
that that are going to be that are going to be very helpful. Um, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the rig that that they're getting ready to purchase and some of the unique uh, some of the unique response areas that that uh, that uh, Hasbro Heights goes to uh, to uh, and, and why those all of those needed to be taken into consideration for the design of the rig. Uh, and then we're going to talk about his dad. Uh, Chief Tony Greco, uh, former chief of Hasbro Heights. We're going to talk about his dad because if you haven't had a chance to meet up with uh, with Tony Greco, uh, you've missed uh, an experience. So, Chief, again, my thanks uh, for joining me today. You know, we've we've known each other for a long time. Uh, I was just thinking about it, but it, it's not like we're golfing buddies. It's always been through either fire engineering or FDIC or or what we're doing now, or even uh, with the training uh, that you've done, you've been down to a Weldon Fire Company a couple of times, uh, at least at least two or three, I believe, uh, ta- uh, uh, training our guys. So, uh, so our paths have crossed any number of times during the past uh, during the past twenty years. And the one thing that uh, that I've always appreciated in any of my conversations with you, whether it's like this or whether uh, whether it's during training or even you know at dinner at FDIC, is the candor. Uh, you bring, you know, you bring to this. Um, it's kind of no nonsense. It's like, let's get in, get it done and get, you know, get on to the next, get on to the next thing. So again, my, my thanks to you uh, for joining me today. Thanks um, for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, what, to get us started and, you know, I've already done so much talking. Uh, uh, just uh, t- tell us a bit about you. Talk about your journey into the fire service. It's been a part of your life literally since day one. Yeah. Uh, so talk, talk yeah. a bit about yourself and uh, how you got into this and some of the stuff you're into. Uh, well, from uh, literally birth, there's a photo of my father and he has me handcuffed to the stroller and it's a bunch of firemen surrounding the stroller and you can see that they're wearing the old school pull up boots and stuff like that. So it's been uh, in my family from birth. Uh, my father has been a fireman since 1974 in Hasbro Heights. Um, and uh, obviously he was fire chief in Hasbro Heights. So I got to experience uh, some amazing things with him as a younger uh, kid and going into the fire service. He also was a, uh, he still is a major fire buff. Um, he used to own GTI fire videos, actually still does. And uh, he literally would go anywhere and film footage and he would take me with him. So I got to watch firemen in Brooklyn and the Bronx, Manhattan, Newark, Patterson, Passaic, all these places go to fires at a young age. And I was hooked from when I was five years old on the rooftop in Passaic, buffing a fire with my father. I mean, from that age. Uh, so it's really cool. And my, you know, my own son is like, I feel like he's reliving my youth at this point. But uh, yeah, I've been 13 years in the city of Hackensack and 20 years in uh, as a volunteer firefighter in, uh, within Hasbro Heights right now. Talk a little bit about some of the training, uh, some of the training you've been doing over the past few years. That's that's a, a fairly recent development. I'd say, you know, like within the last five, probably maybe five to that. five to ten. OK. All right. Talk, talk about that a little bit. Um, so I'm involved with uh, Eckerd Fire Tactics. I'm an instructor for uh, for Bobby Eckerd, Eckerd Fire Tactics LLC. Uh, we travel the country. Um, there isn't a place that we won't go to teach firefighter skills. And we teach basic firefighter skills anywhere from false blind tree to uh Ventilation, fire attack, uh, stretching through obstacles, we call it, where it's not just stretching in a regular parking lot. We kind of make it a little bit more difficult for the students. And all of it is done under live fire, which we feel is extremely important. Um, There's a lot of training out there, and not to say that it's bad, but we are the fire department. So we believe that we should be training under live fire, um, especially Class A. Um, The students have to 
no matter what, they have to wear their face piece. So they get repetitions just putting their face piece on, let alone the skill set that we're going over that day. So uh, it's a great organization to be a part of. There is instructors from all over the country involved. Um, great guys. Bobby's, <laughs> he's, he's developed a business that is truly uh, amazing and fun to be a part of while you're working. And you get to meet people from all over the country. I and mean, we went to California last year. Yeah, so... Cool deal. Excuse my coffee drinking along the way. Uh, <laughs> no problem. So there are like a million different things we could we could be talking about. And you and I over just over the past week or so uh, have had have had some conversations uh, based on based on uh, a couple of comments that you've seen that have made me uh, sort of rethink some things. Uh, you know, not to give away my May editorial in Fire Apparatus and Emergency Equipment, but it will. Uh, it certainly does reference this a little bit. And we've, we've talked, uh, it's about age. Uh, you know, um, it, it's funny because um, uh, I could even, I could even say to you, I'm sure um, I don't feel, and this might be something that, that a lot of other people uh, in your position as, as chiefs um, uh, under, uh, deal with, you know, at, at, at your fire companies. And we'll, we'll get into it in more specifics, but I don't feel as old to people as I probably look to right. newer firefighters who are my kids age. You know what I mean? Cause um, you know, it, it, and that's a natural thing. Um, and certainly I'm at a point in my career where I'm transitioning to being more of, of an outside and exterior firefighter. I do drive more than, than I used to. Um, right. I am a safety officer in the fire company. So a lot of times, you know, I mean, it is rare I shouldn't say rare, but it's been pretty rare that I've been inside wearing a pack. You know, uh, I did that last July. In fact, I said that in the editorial where we, it was just a basement fire. It was a uh, it was it was a uh, a dehumidifier had been on fire, caught the rug around it a little bit sure. in, in a basement. Uh, sure. Fire was out by the time we got there. It wasn't our local. Uh, we were mutual aid. It was out by the time we got there, but the place was still charged with smoke, whatever, whatever had been on fire. And I remember I was going down. I was going down the basement steps. Uh, tripping over the hose as I went, you know, and, you know, you get to the bottom and, you know, I'm bumping into people who are trying to leave as we're going down. I'm like, man, I'm just getting too old for this. Good <laughs> Lord. God. And, it, you know, I pro- and I muttered it. And, you know, our SCBA have, you know, like the, the speakers on them. So like just about everybody heard me muttering. To myself. It, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, but that's, that's a, that's a thing. And, it, and it's something that you are kind of, uh, you are kind of going through right now as, as Hasbrook Heights is uh, specking out a new apparatus. And could, so I, uh, you know, could you, could you talk a bit about that experience right now and what, what that has been? Because it's, it's kind of rolled a lot of things. You're, you're taking in into account current trends uh, in your response area. You're taking into account uh, current trends just in how fire apparatus are designed um, and how, you know, and, and, you know, how, and, and, you are taking into account uh, the folks who came before you, some of the senior members uh, in your volunteer fire company who probably designed the rig, mm-hmm. the rigs that you are replacing. And right. so want to uh, want to offer their help where they can, but it, it, it really does get into a, 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 a nuance and, and a tricky area where, you know, there is still a lot to offer, but and boy, am I tripping over myself trying to trying to no, say this. There's I, still I, a lot I, I, to I, offer, uh, but 
not necessary, but it's not necessarily reflective of the of the current responses that that you're going to right. in the design of the truck. So talk a bit about that. And I want to definitely talk about um, how you had to approach this with with your town. But first, before right. we get to the town, which is, you know, the, the outside, talk about how you have um, um, not managed, but balanced uh, everything on the inside of the fire company right. as you were coming to decide what what you were going to do. Well, it's, it's certainly difficult. Most volunteer fire departments are company structure. So they'll have company one, two, three, four, and five. Let's just say as an example, Hasbrokites, we do not have companies. We're a uh, SOP driven fire department. Um, so basically your first four to five uh, personnel get on the first two piece apparatus, which is an engine. Next four, get on the first two truck. Next four, get on the next two engine. So we, we work that way. There's no companies, meaning I have 50 people with 50 different opinions on how a fire truck should be put together. So it's, so you can see um, how that can be difficult. On top of that, um, I am the middle guy. So I'm 37 years old. So I have a, a, a group of people from 18 to about 28 ish. Then there's me and one other guy that 37, 38 year old range. And then every, after that, everybody is 50 years old and up. So there's really, it's, there's a huge age gap. Um, and trying to bring those, those two ages together to design a piece of fire apparatus is huge because we all know in a volunteer fire service, the biggest thing that you're going to buy and be a part of is a piece of fire apparatus. It's going to be there for 30 years. Um, so unfortunately, or fortunately, I had to make an apparatus committee. Um, so I made an apparatus committee and I said, this is, I, this is the way it's going to be, not to sound like the dictator, but at some point you have to be. Um, you can't be a buddy boss all the time. So we made a committee or I made the committee. And uh, what we did was I put in three senior firefighters and then I put in three junior firefighters. And my rationale was I'd like the three junior firefighters. And when I say junior, I mean over 18 years old, four or five years on a job, not like a 16 year old kid. Gotcha. Um, when I say I put the, the, the junior fire, firefighters on, I want them to learn how to build the rig, but I also want their input because they might have input on something that's really important. And the senior firefighters have input because they've been there and done that. Now, my biggest problem I had, and I always think back to when I was 18 years old. I always do because you have to remember where you came from. So my thing was, well, if you're going to design a fire truck, and let's just say I don't like what you designed. I have to deal with the fire truck for the next 30 years. You have 30 years on the fire department. So in reality, you might deal with it for another five or 10 and you're going to retire and do what you're going to do. And now here I'm stuck with a fire truck that really there's stuff that I can't change to it because you specified it that way. So I like to have the younger guys involved because they might be there the whole lifespan of the rig. They might actually be on the committee for the next one. So it's really important on how you pick that committee and it, you, you try to keep everybody happy. It's almost impossible when you're the chief of a fire department, but you try, but I believe you have to try to have a mixture of both. And that's in regard to anything, you know, policy procedure, SOPs, all of that stuff. Um, and that's, that's how we did the committee of the writ. Um, and, you know, we can go into what we're, what we're trying to build and why we're building it too. Um, so Currently, right now, Hasbro Kites, we run a rescue, two engines, and a truck. Um, 
we've noticed uh, Hasbro Kites uh, years ago when I first started, we did a ton of vehicle extrication. I mean, it was a regular thing. It was, uh, you know, as you say about the fire engineering cover uh, magazine, one, one of those covers was uh, from us at a bus accident, dual bus accident. We, we were doing a extrication a week, minimum one a week. That's how busy it was. Uh, people were calling us hazardous heights instead of Hasbro heights. Um, we cover multiple highways. We cover Route 17, Route 46, Route 80. Um, we're mutual aid to everybody. So we were doing a lot of pin, a lot of pins uh, to the point that we wore out the Hearst tool tips. We had to put in for new tips. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And that's dipped off. And I noticed that we went from doing a pin every weekend to now we're doing a pin a month, if that, if that. And it went dramatically the other way because the cars are designed way better. I'm rolling up to MBAs now and I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be a triple pin. And it's not, there is nobody pin. Uh, People are walking away from cars that look like they're just, you know, mangled. I can't even tell what kind of car it is. And the people are sitting on a curb and I'm like, what? What's going on? But we have an uptick of working structural fires. Um, and, uh, you know, so people watching this are probably like, wow, that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah, it is. Um, we have an uptick of working structural fires compared to vehicle extrication. So we need to build the rig on what we're doing, what we're actively doing right now. And the way the world is trending, I don't see motor vehicles getting designed worse, but I do see houses getting older. I do see people, uh, I don't want to say the, maybe they don't have enough money to update their house. They don't have enough money to update their electrical panel, things like this. So you're going to, you were seeing an uptick in fires, but I don't believe you're going to see an uptick in vehicle extrication. I really don't. Vehicle fires regarding uh, uh, battery operated vehicles, EVs, stuff like that, of course. Then we go back to, again, fire suppression. So we're designing right now a combination engine rescue as many people will call it a squad um we're going to call it an engine we're not going to call it a squad i believe the term is overused and i don't think the term is actually used properly um so we're going to call it an engine that carries rescue tools um we switched over to hearst hydraulic tools which are mainly battery operated um we do have a hearst pump the traditional hearst pump and we're able to measure and map out each compartment to fit the Hearst tools in it, you know, and while having a low hose bed and everything else that we're looking for in a fire engine, it's, it's, it's able to be done. Uh, there's a town in Northern Bergen County called Allendale. And I looked at their rig and I was sold. So this is a fire engine that can do pin jobs and everything else. I'm like, why are we going to buy another rescue? Um, I think in my opinion, other than big city fire departments, I, you know, paid department, stuff like that. I think rescues are going to be obsolete in the volunteer world very soon. I really do. I, I, you know, we, we're a very manpower heavy fire department right now. Uh, I got a ton of really good guys. Uh, I can't ask for anything more out of these guys. Let me tell you. Um, But for fire departments that are running minimal staffing all the time to have a rig that doesn't have a ladder on the top of it or water coming out of it is pointless unless you know for a fact that there's something with water coming right away, right behind you, not paid fire department. They know for a fact, volunteer fire department, we all know you might have that bad Wednesday afternoon and you don't know if they're coming. 
you know, and, and you well, talk about exactly what you're saying right now. Um, you, you, you mentioned, um, that you have a, a ton of good, a ton of great guys right now, but yes. one of those other cyclical things, especially in the volunteer fire service is that that could go down. You might not know, you right. might, you don't know if uh, water's coming, but you also sometimes don't know who you're going to get. And that's just cyclical. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, I've seen it probably happen two or three times in the 30 years it's that a, I've been at welding. Yes. It's a, well, you got to equate it to a varsity football team. You know, I, I, I equate the fire service to football, even though I don't like football, <laughs> but you equate it to like the winning varsity football team. They win for 10 years in a row and all of a sudden it just dips off. And the volunteer fire service is the same thing. When I first got on, it was, we had a lot of guys, and then all of a sudden, a lot of guys got on the job someplace. They became cops, firemen. They got married. Other careers, they moved away. And that was it. And then we're back to having nobody again. And how are we getting the engine out and all of that stuff? And now we're right now, we are, we have a very good problem. We're so heavy with manpower that I'm asking the town to buy me gear. And I'm, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul to get these guys <laughs> outfitted with, with, with everything, you know. So right now, I have a very good problem right now. Talk a little bit more about um, you, you mentioned how your mutual aid for just about everybody, the rescue work has gone down. Uh, the structure fires have have increased, which is which is awesome. And, and, and as you said that, I was thinking, you know, just about how and this leads into the question, just about how unique I think your area is for those who don't know uh, northern New Jersey. I mean, you could go from a highly urbanized area and just cross a road sometimes and be in, you know, you know, suburbia, like total, total suburbia. Not only that, I'm, I'm always fascinated by just when I go there to the office, just how, just how tucked away those places are, but how close they are to the highways, which again, you, you mentioned that, that you are, it's a very, it's a very unique response area, but you at Hasbrook Heights, also have a few things that, that are unique that are, that are also going into some of the stuff that you're trying to do with this new truck beyond combining two, two into one. Um, you know, there are also some, some operational things that go with some of the challenges that, that you meet. Could you talk a little bit more about, uh, about the response Absolutely. area? So the response area, um, I, my senior firefighter in, in Hackensack, his name is John Davis. This guy is a wealth of knowledge taught me, 99% of the stuff that I know. Hackensack is the city next to Hasbrook Heights. So and where I'm a volunteer fire chief, literally, I border Hackensack where I work, which is a unique situation in and of itself. Um, he calls Hackensack Sample City. And it's a perfect. It's a, I always found it perfect because you get a sample of every type of building construction, every type of neighborhood, neighborhood highway, all that type of stuff. And it's the truth. So being a volunteer fire department, we have to build a, a fire engine for Sample City, which Hasbrook Heights is very much the same thing, if not worse. So we are contracted for the borough of Teterboro. So not only do we cover Hasbrook Heights, we cover Teterboro as well. So within Teterboro is Teterboro Airport, which is one of the largest private airports in the country, one of. Um, so we are contracted to them. They're covered by the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, if anybody's familiar with that. Um, and we are their mutual aid for a plane. We can't call them crashes anymore. We'll call them incident. So uh, we are their mutual aid for a plane incident on the airport grounds or outside of the airport grounds. Now, the 
if anybody's ever familiar with an ARF truck, a, an airport crash truck, it's a it's basically a tanker that carries foam. Now, if they're on the airport grounds, we have to come in and literally supply that tanker with water. Um, now, we're a very urban area here, but now we turn to a tanker shuttle very quickly now. And we've done this multiple times, not once in a while. Um, in the early 2000s, we went to a number of plane incidents. Um, you know, you could Google them. Some of them were significantly bad and others minor, but we have done this operation with them multiple times. The rigs that we have currently, we have a 1997 KME and we have a 2002 Pierce. The KME has 900 gallons of booster water. The, uh, the Pierce has 1,000 gallons of booster water. So when you hook up to a crash truck, you will give them 1,000 gallons of water very quickly, very quickly. So most, most people buying fire apparatus today, they want to buy a 500-gallon tank because they want to emulate a city next door. You know, people want to be, you know, a big city that has four letters we all know about. People want to be 500-gallon booster tank and all that. And that's great. And they say, oh, you don't need it. You know, we're going to hook up to a hydrant and everything else. We're very, 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 very in tune to hooking up to hydrants. We're very in tune to reverse lying. Um, we're on hydrants for car fires and hazard heights. I mean, that's how we do it. I believe in, we call it city water. Um, that's hooking up to a hydrant. I believe in being on city water. I don't believe in booster water. I don't. I've seen it go wrong many times. But for the district that we cover, the airport, the highways, um, you know, we, we cover Route 17, Route 46, Route 80. You might get out to a section of Route 80 where you have no hydrant. You know, we might have a tractor trailer getting it on Route 80 and I have no hydrant. Or Route 17, I might be in between one where it's going to be a thousand foot, you know, lay of a five inch. So we're an urban area. But like we said, Sample City, all of a sudden we're an urban area and then it changes to we're on an airport ground someplace or I'm on the middle of the highway at four o'clock in the morning. And well, you know what? Cool. We do, we do have the capability of having a thousand gallons of water, which you can do a lot with, uh, especially with foam operations and, and things like that. So yeah, it's a little bit of a mixture of both. So talk about... Um... Talk about the rig you're designing. So we talked about the, the large water tank. Uh, we talked about, you know, adding, adding the rescue tools. Whenever, you know, now we're getting into, you know, the, the trade-off area, um, you know, where, you know, you want the big tank, uh, but um, you, have to, you have to trade off somewhere else. Now, the trend these days, and it's a good trend. Um, is, you know, going to, you know, lower hose beds. My yes. company just took delivery of two uh, pumpers back at the end of 2021. Uh, lowest hose beds I think we've ever, we've ever had. Um, the two, uh, I guess the three trucks that we had before that, uh, very high hose beds. We, we worked, I mean, we drilled, so we, you know, we knew what we were doing. Sure. We, we made, we made it work. Um, but really, you know, we identified that, you know, the, the reality was, um, it's safer uh, to, 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 have, to have it lower. It's easier to pack. It's easier, you know, oh, the less you have to do on the rig itself, the, the better. Um, yeah. so, so anyway, uh, but that, that's been a trend. Oftentimes, you know, you, you trade, sometimes you have to trade water supply or uh, uh, storage uh, yeah. for that, 
you know, lower that's hose bed. So talk about, now I don't know, I, I should have asked, how far along are you in the process in terms of specking it out? Is it just we, you've decided to do the rescue pumper or the, the engine? Uh, we're, pretty, and, we're pretty preliminary. Uh, we're, we're, we're about halfway through in designing this rig and it's gone rather fast. Okay. Um, because, you know, the committee and the guys on the committee, we know exactly what we need. Um, and luckily, you know, in designing fire apparatus, especially in New Jersey, you can look around and a lot of guys that are going to be watching this are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. There's murals, there's gold leaf, there's whatever on the rig. And we're not putting any attention into any of that until the end. We're worried about the nitty gritty. What are we doing with this rig? Now, I'll, I'll reference Allendale, New Jersey again. They have a thousand gallon, and guys could look it up if they want. They have a thousand gallon booster tank, and the hose bed is ultra low, ultra low. So now, my thing is wonderful. If I could get a hose bed four feet off the ground with a thousand gallon booster tank, home run, home run. And technology has brought us there. And pretty much every, almost every fire apparatus manufacturer can do it. Um, yes, will you give up certain compartments? Sure, but there's different options. So instead of having, you know, your traditional side mounted ladders like I like, now you got to put them on a rack and they go on top of the rig. And now you have those full compartments on your officer side um, or, you know, or vice versa. So there's ways around it all. And technology has brought us there, especially uh, as I referenced before, the Hearst hydraulic tools. Great tool. I don't think they're talked about enough. They're a battery-operated hearse tool that gives me 45 minutes of runtime at a pin job. But the best part about it is it's one unit with the battery attached. You know, you know, back at, like when I first started on the fire department, we had a, I had a big gas power unit that weighed about 4 million pounds, 32 A's. And I mean, we used to lift weights so we could carry the 32 A's by yourself. I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, and it's not that way anymore. Are they... Are they a little heavy? Yeah, but it's one unit. I'm not dealing with hoses, you know, and all of that stuff in a new piece of fire apparatus. You have to take it into account. Okay, where am I going to put the pump? Where am I going to put the hoses? Where am I going to put the extra pieces for the 32 A's? Where all that stuff is gone now. You know, if you remember, uh, you know, you've been on quite a while, 32 A's, they came with, they were a spreader, but they also came with cutters. Yep. Well, that's just an example of I need another spot for X, Y, and Z. You know, and now X, Y, and Z is gone. I have a battery operated tool that's going to do everything. And if I had, if I need something else out of the ordinary, well, I could get a sawzall. I could have a bat. I could get a battery operated forcible entry saw, battery operated grinder. Everything is becoming less rather than extension cord to a generator. You remember all these things? Oh yeah. All of these things are now going away. Will so, you have a generator, or is that is that going to be gone? Oh, uh, no, we're, we're still going to have a generator. Yes. Okay. So we could fit it, which is great because we're saving room in, in other areas. So, you know, if you could remember the old Honda generators, a handheld mm -hmm. generator weighs like 4,000 pounds. So that generator, we could still, we could still fit it, but I'm not going to use it the way I used to use it in 2005. So in 2005, I'm running a Solzol with an extension cord to that generator. We're not doing that anymore. You know, Milwaukee, DeWall, all of them. Uh, Husqvarna has a, has a beautiful series of battery operated tools. You literally pick up the tool and hit a button and it tells you how much battery life you have left. So you're saving room in your compartment space because of battery operated tools. Now is battery operated the be all end all. And I, and I, and you know, we get to this, this 
uh, this argument all the time, you know, all over the place. No, it's not the be all end all. No. Um, you should have a backup apparatus that has your tra traditional tools, which we do have, which we will have. Um, so it's definitely not the be all end all, but we need to build a fire engine dual purpose. So for this scenario, it's perfect. Perfect. Did you, uh, did you have to, I'm guessing not because of all the other uh, adjustments you've made, but um, lengthwise, a lot of times uh, with, with the larger tank and the lower bed, you got to, you got to extend the length of the truck a little bit. What would, did, were you challenged there or did you save oh. enough by maybe like putting the ladders up and, you know, having them? Uh, we saved a lot. Um, we are get, we got away from, uh, I don't want to say pre-connects, but I'm going to say it. Uh, we got away from pre-connects. We got away from cross lay. You know, it actually has four different names, cross lay, Maddie Dale, speed lay, mm -hmm. connect. We got away from all of that. Um, you know, the side. Are you operating off the back or do you have some stuff? Operating off the back. We're operating off the back and off the front. Um, we're doing it now. Uh, we call them tenement loads. Other people call them whatever they want to call them. Um, both engines, they both have 600 foot lines off the back. So basically you take what you need, break it, hook it to a discharge and you're good. It's, it's, okay. it's you know, it's, it works out perfectly and it's actually set up for reverse leg, which is an old school thing, which, which we, you know, we can get into that later, which is actually really <laughs> funny when it comes to the generational gap, we'll get, we can get into that later, but uh, no, the, the newer engine we save um, by having, you know, we could put two lines off the front, 150 feet, 200 feet, whatever you want to do. You could do two tenement loads off the rear along with your two and a half. So you save by getting rid of those cross lays and cross lays. I got to tell you that like the vein of my existence from the second I got on the farm, I'm like, Oh my God. And you know, people, well, if you, if you, if you pack it the Minuteman style, it does this, but the drawback is that, and then you stretch it and it grabs the rear tire of the rig. And you're like, what am I? It never made sense from the very beginning until somebody actually had an editorial in fire engineering magazine several years ago as to why they were invented. They were invented to have a pigtail, which is about a five foot section of hose off of the discharge. So you could use it as a pre-connect, but the pigtail was to unscrew it and you had the load uh -huh. hose on your, on your shoulder and the rig was then able to reverse light. But you were able to get out of your seat, jump seat as they used to call it, grab it, put it on your shoulder, disconnect it if you needed to, and they could reverse light and you have your bundle with you. So a lot of times I look into, you know, when I have a problem with a piece of equipment and I don't understand like why we're doing this, or I always look to why it was invented and I'll figure it out. I don't care what I have to do. Google, go to a class, whatever. Okay. It was invented for this purpose, but we're not using it for that purpose. And that's why we're having trouble. So pre-connects off of the side, we're, we're not doing that anymore. And that's where you save on your, that's where you save on your length and your length is okay. the thing. Our engine one right now, our thousand gallon booster tank, that 2002 engine that I talk about, the engine is a monstrosity. It's almost as long as our ladder truck, but that's a good thing because now we're specking out a new engine. So we know, oh no, we're not doing this mistake ever again. Same thing with the hose bed. I need a little giant ladder to get to the hose bed. It's ridiculous. We have, we have webbing and straps hanging down to pull the hose down. It's just, it's crazy, but it has a thousand gallons of water on it. So that engine is also a top mount pump, which extended it extended the rig right. even more. So okay, well we'll get rid of the top mount pump. Watch, it shrinks down like this. No, no preconnects off the side. It shrinks down like this. So before you know it, it's becoming smaller, smaller, smaller. And the technology 
I can make the booster tank designed where I can have the hose bed low. So it, it works out. That's also how you pack your hose too. I see this too. There's a lot of apparatus deliveries that come in. And I look at every one of them. Trust me, because I'm a nerd like that. I look at every one of them. I look at Europe's rigs. I look at all of them. You can have a hose bed 12 inches off the ground. It doesn't matter. If you pack your hose in a fashion that the nozzle is all the way up here and the hose, this hose bed starts here, it doesn't matter. I need the nozzle. Yeah. So if I pack the thing in properly, it doesn't matter how low the hose bed is. So we pack our hose beds with a horseshoe. So they're triple stacked. So if you do triple or double stacked, a little bit wider, and the hose bed isn't going to go all the way up vertically like this. It's going to kind of go up right about here. Then there's a horseshoe. The guy can grab the horseshoe. Backup man can grab the second horseshoe. And off they go. Uh, we went to a fire a month ago. We grabbed up on a, on a hydrant, city water, as I call it. We grabbed city water. We stretched 600 feet of tenement load. No problem. The, the firefighter, the backup firefighter, who was the officer, and the chauffeur helped them. They walked up the street with 600 feet of hose. And we went up to the second floor of a house fire and we put it out. It was no big deal. And we were on this, we were mutual aid. So we were on a separate water source. So we were on our own water. We had our own line independent of them. And we we're good to go. So it's, you know, it's kind of important. You got to know your response area. That particular response area, they're very poor water. They have a very bad water system. So I don't want to be on their water. I don't want to steal from them. So if I can have a long line that puts me on a different water source, beautiful, helps everybody. So that's how you, you got to build your rig knowing your response area. <laughs> so I wanted to get into um, in Hasbrook Heights. Again, like I said in the beginning, for me, um, it, it's not the same process uh, in terms of the authority having jurisdiction. Um, so I wanted to talk about um, how a rig is purchased in Hasbrook Heights and then talk about we already discussed on the on the committee managing all the, the different personalities. But now you have to go out and justify to a group of people who are not firefighters um, that, sure. that you need this rig and, and why you need it. So uh, talk a little bit about the, that purchasing process for you and then talk about uh, how you ended up communicating to the civilians who really just didn't have the hands-on that, that you have uh, with, with fire trucks to understand why the change was necessary. Sure. So the biggest thing in the fire service is, you know, I, I listened to Vincent Thun and uh, he, he wrote it and he also said it. And I believe it was a podcast kind of like this one. And he said, the fire service purchasing is mainly done by civilians. And you need to get that into your head or it's not going to work out. And you want to know what? That man was 100% correct. I listened to that about four or five years ago, whatever it was, before I became fire chief. So I had that in my head years ago. Like, you know what? Purchasing for fire stuff, whether it be a length of hose or a fire truck, is not going to be done by a fireman. So the best thing that you can do is talk in layman's terms. That's the best thing that you can do almost to a point where it's annoying to the person. And I, I, I've had discussions many a times with councilmen, uh, you know, mayors of things of that nature, uh, Hasbro Kites where everything is municipality driven. They control all of the purchases. doesn't matter what it is. 
So when you go to put in for a piece of fire apparatus, fire apparatus now, if anybody's paying attention out there, it's expensive and it goes up every year. So you're going up 10 to 15% each year. Your delivery time is anywhere from two years right now <laughs> and up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's not just one in particular manufacturer, it's all of them. They're all having the same problem. Um, we're, we're having a problem getting fire hose right now. Every, everything is on back order. I, I ordered uh, you know, a ton of fire hose. Everything's on back order. So you have to go into, and I don't want to say the word politician because they don't like, they don't like that word. So when you go into the higher ups of your, of your town, you have to go in there explaining what you need, why you need it, and that it's not for you. And I want everybody listening to this to understand this. Most people that are not in the fire service, they're thinking that they're thinking that you're buying a fire truck for yourself. Same thing with a fire chief's car, all this other stuff. They're thinking that you're buying a fire chief's car for yourself. So when I spoke to one of my higher ups in the town, I said, if I had it my way, I'd have a stick shift 1968 C-grade ladder truck with no exhaust on it, screaming loud, and we'd all be hanging off the back of it. But I don't have it my way. That's not what NFPA says. So this is what we have to do to follow the rules. So, and when you break out the NFPA, you break out the rule, you break out, okay, this is what we have and this is what we need to do. They, they then start to understand it. But there's also a mindset that I've seen where it's let's go fight with the town or the city or whatever. It's everywhere, by the way. Let's go fight with them for what we need. There is no more fight left. Um, you got to understand that the, the way the economy is, the way everything is. You go to fight with these people, they're going to show you factual information of the money that they don't have. So you have to be a little conservative when you go to buy a piece of fire apparatus. You have to be willing to give something up, whether you're a volunteer or paid. And and I know people don't want to hear this, but it's the truth. Um, So right now, our rescue, Rescue One, is a 1993 International Marion. Okay, if anyone's familiar with them, it's a truck front with a box on the back of it. Again, provides no water, provides no ladders. It does one thing. It's a toolbox. We have a 1997 fire engine. By rights, should be replaced. And we have our 2002. So I went to the town and I said, I could actually ask you for three pieces of fire apparatus. I really could. But I'm going to ask you for one. And then later on, I'm going to ask you for another one. And I could dual purpose the one. And when you tell that to a town, they said, what do you mean dual purpose? Well, I could take a piece of fire apparatus, this engine, and I could turn it into a rescue engine where it's doing the job of two of these vehicles. So rather than you giving me money for two vehicles, you're going to give me a little bit more money for one, and we're going to make it work with one. And that's what we'll do. And when you, when you break it down into the layman term of that, they kind of buy into it a little bit. Like, oh, okay, well, you're saving us money a little bit here, you know, and I know every firefighter that's listening to this is going to be like saving money for the town. They make millions of dollars. They, the cops get paid this, this, that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's very simple. Fire department, if you're part of a municipality, you get an operational budget and you get a capital budget. That's how it works. So you put in for your operational and you put in for your capital every year. When you put in for your capital budget, you have to be very careful on how you do it. And you need to talk to you if you have a fire commissioner or a councilman that's assigned to you or whatever, you have to be very careful and speak to that person and express what you need. But how do I get there? How do I get to this point 
without getting into an argument or a fight or whatever, because whenever you argue or fight with your city hall, town hall, whatever you want to call it, you're not going to get what you need. And it doesn't hurt you. It hurts the public. This is this is public safety. We're, we're in a we're in a job called public safety. So we need to do whatever we need to do to save money, to get the equipment that we need to provide the public with the service that they need. Me rolling up with a antiquated piece of equipment that's going to break or not do its job is not helping the public. Or if it's so antiquated that it's going to hurt one of my firefighters, that's not good either. So now we have a whole separate set of issues and liability and everything that goes along with that whole tangent that we could go on with the liability. But uh, you need to sell the fire department, whether you're paid or volunteer. And I hear it all the time. Well, we're volunteers. We sell ourselves because we're doing it for free. I get that. There's no one that gets that more than me. I've been doing it for free for 20 years. But you want to know what? I signed up to do it for free. I went into this knowing I'm not going to get a paycheck. So, yes, you can use that as part of your argument, but not all the way. Be very careful. It's a slippery slope. You have to go into the argument saying, I need to provide a safe vehicle for my firefighters and the public. When you go and you have to go into it saving money. It, you know, we, we, we were slated to get a new apparatus floor in Hasbro Heights. An apparatus floor for, uh, for uh, we have a, a large firehouse because we were, we were on separate companies. New apparatus floor by us costs $75,000. Well, you have to make a list of wants and needs. You know, you know, if you're whatever you are, captain, chief, assistant chief, whatever you are, you have to make a list of wants and needs. I want this and I need that. Do I want a new apparatus floor? Yes. Is the apparatus floor unsafe? No. It just looks crappy. So, you know what? Let me write a letter to the town saying, you know what, town? I don't need a new apparatus floor right now. Maybe we could push the apparatus floor five years. So we're going to save you $75,000 by pushing off this floor five years because that's a want. It's not a need. So let's just push it off. Okay. Then you come back and you say, well, I also put in my capital budget for a fire chief's bar. You know what town, what's more important to me is getting this fire engine more than anything. Now we, we also put in for 10 sets of turnout gear every year, which we get. The town is really good with us with the turnout gear. We always get it. Um, so I really want a new fire chief's car. I'm trying to replace a 2012 Chevy. I really want it. Do I necessarily absolutely need it right now? That could hold off for another year. I could wait another year. Maybe not more than another year, but I could wait another year. Do I need a piece of fire apparatus? Absolutely, I need a piece of fire apparatus. You write down and then you come up, type up, why you need the fire apparatus, what's going to happen if you don't get the fire apparatus, and a synopsis on basically everything that's going on current day, okay? The wait time, the cost on how if we wait five years from now, I just said to you, well, I'll wait five years on apparatus floor. Could care less. If I wait five years on a piece of fire apparatus, what's the cost of an engine going to be five years from now? We have no idea. I know, I know in 2015 where I work, we purchased a, a ladder truck for around $900,000. Now a fire engine costs more than that, if that makes any sense. So where are we going to be five years from now? I have no idea. So you explain all of that to your town. 
they're at one point or another, they're going to have to purchase that fire engine. Do you want to purchase it for $1.8 million or do you want to purchase it for 900,000? Which would you like to do? And when you ask them for the money, what I learned is, and this is a funny thing because people disagreed with me in the beginning. In the beginning, people said, oh, ask for, the, you know, give them the cheapest price that you can find. That's great. Until you realize, oh my God, I told the town I need X, but really I forgot I need to buy equipment for this vehicle. There might be change orders. There might be this, there might be that. And there's nothing worse than a municipality wants to hear is I asked for X amount of money and now you're going to have to come up with another resolution because we're $200,000 short. They don't want to hear that. They do not. They rather you ask for what you need and give money back than you coming back and begging for it. And I watch a lot of people go through this around here because they're trying to be a hero and say, look, I'm only going to cost you X for this truck. No good. I'd rather give them the hard truth up front. Okay. Well, we have $100,000 left over. You can have it back. Now, also, we also apply for uh, a FEMA grant for the rig. So for everybody listening to this, I know what you're all thinking. You're not going to get a I, I heard it all day. You're not going to get a FEMA grant. Don't waste your time, blah, 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 blah. That's fine. Now, it's very easy to say you're not going to get it when you don't apply for it. But worth you, a shot. It's worth a shot. So, guys, if, if you're listening, apply for it. Who cares? If you don't get it, at least you're showing your municipality, listen, I'm trying to save you money. Look. I'm trying to save you money by putting in for a grant for this vehicle. So even if I get a couple of bucks from the grant to put towards the rig, it's going to help the municipality a little bit. And at the end of the day, it's going to help me get what I need to do my job for free, my job. Okay. So there's a lot of different ways to look at this. And the best way to do it is by not fighting. And I can't stress that enough. It is so easy for you to get into a fight with a municipality because there's going to be a guy coming at you saying to me, why do I need a new fire? This is what I've heard from other towns around me. Why do you need a new fire engine? It looks beautiful. You guys take care of it. Meanwhile, the rig is like 35 years old. And, you know, some guys will say, oh, we should just stop washing. Oh, no. <laughs> explain, explain to the person, this is what the rules are. This is what can happen. And if somebody gets killed, this is what's going to happen. Somebody's going to come in and investigate every little thing. Now, if anyone's ever, as anyone listened to this, ever been through a line of duty death or a civilian death, they investigate the entire thing from receipt of alarm all the way through. And when they, make fun, when they find out that you're rolling around with a 35-year-old piece of fire apparatus, that's going to come into play. So you explain that all. And you'll find out that at the end of the day, the argument, there really is none. You know, they're going to tell you, okay, yeah, we need to buy a new piece of fire apparatus. We just have to figure out how to get the money to do so. And that's it. And, that, and then that, that's not my job anymore. I've informed them of everything they need to do. So, And it worked, correct? You, yeah, you've I mean, gotten, you've gotten, turn, you are, the, the process yeah. has started. The uh, process has started. Now, that, now they could turn around tomorrow and say, Mike, I'm very sorry. Uh, you know, we weren't able to work this out, so we can't do it. For, and they're going to give me a reason why in writing, because when you put that in your synopsis, well, if you're not going to give me the fire engine, I'm going to need a reason why in writing as to why not. I don't want to hear just the word no. I need to know why. 
And we have, I have a great relationship with, with Hasbro Kites. I got to tell you, you know, it's amazing because most of the guys I talk to, they don't have a good relationship with their local politicians or fire commissioner. These guys are great. I mean, I have one problem because I explain myself to them. <laughs> so this is what I need. And I explain it to them on a human level, not a, you can't go in there, Joe Fireman. You got to go in there. Like I'm asking these people for a lot of money. Well, what difference is it with a fire piece of fire apparatus? It's a bunch of people that don't know anything about the fire service. Same as PD and PD, go, the police department goes through the same problems we go through. You know, DPW, they go through the same problems we go through. But well, you ex- explain yourself. Well, that's what it is. It all goes back to the to the planning of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the better it, it's like anything. It's it's you know like fighting a fire in a commercial building that you have a good pre that you have a good pre plan for. Uh, you know, I mean, it's the more you do up front, the better the whole process is going to go versus, you know, going in with a with, with a magazine and a picture of a truck that cost uh, company X, you know, a uh, million dollars and saying this is the truck we want. This is this is how much it's going to cost you can't you, you can't you can't just do that. You have to do no. all the upfront work and it goes no. into and I think um I think a lot uh, probably when, when, when you go in there and say, we're not worried about murals or gold leaf just yet. We want to, we want to build the truck to do what we needed to do. Yeah. I think that goes a long way as well. You know, sure. Uh, sure. it's a purpose yeah. built unit and, yeah. and here is why we need to replace it. You know, the fewer reasons, the fewer uh, chances anyone gets to say no, the better. And that all is the planning that you sure. do up front. You, you have to go into it where they're going to say no. You have to go into it that way. If you go into it where high hopes are going to say yes, you're setting yourself up for a disaster. So now I'll go back to what I just said. Tomorrow morning, the Borough Hasbro Kites can call me up and say, Mike, I'm very sorry. We, we can't do this. We don't have the money. Okay, why? They give me a written reason why. Okay, well, next year, 2024 capital budget, we're going to put it forward again, 2020, 2025. We're, going to, we're just going to keep on putting in for the same exact thing. And at some point, they're going to, something's going to have to give because I put it in writing. You know, and guys, big thing, if you listen to this, put stuff in writing. Don't talk. Put it in writing. Trust me. You put it in writing, okay, it's going to cost way more a year or two from now than what it's going to cost right now. So there's so in their mind, okay, well, I don't want to pay two hundred thousand dollars more for the truck just because time passed. So you have that. Now, the squad concept, I want to go back to that really quick. That was about four fire chiefs ago at this point in Hasbro Kites. He said we should go to a squad concept. You know, we we should start doing this. So I originally got the idea from him and we walked through it and it kind of went away a little bit. And, but then I'm like, no, it shouldn't go away. You know what? That's the direction we need to be moving in. But then I was able to take that and present it to the town where forget the word squad. Cause they don't know what that means. So forget, throw the word out. <laughs> and I'm going to multi-purpose this vehicle, two vehicles into one. That's what they want to hear. They don't want to hear the word squad. They don't know what that means. Half the people in the podcast don't know what squad means. They're going to do it. So, you know, we're not going to call it a squad. We're going to call it, you know, engine company three. We're not going to call it squad one because we're not a squad. There's no rakers. We're not building a raker show off the engine. I just, um, you know, but 
<laughs> that's the deal. Like you, you have to prove how I'm going to save you money and why I need this piece of fire apparatus. But I have to prove how I'm going to save you money because right now, the way the economy is, they're looking for any which reason to tell you, listen, this is going wrong. That's going wrong. Our tax base, this, that. There's always a problem. I got to tell you, when you investigate it on your own, when you're a nerd like myself and you take the time to investigate how much money they have in coming in versus how much money they have going out, whatever the reason may be, we can argue about they're paying the cops, they're paying it, whatever the reason may be. When they come back at you with a valid reason as to why they can't purchase something, you're going to look pretty dumb. So you have to know your facts and you have to at least try to save them a little bit of money and show good faith. If you want to get what you want to get, it's no different than me asking my father for a bicycle back in the day. Dad, I want this bike. Do you really need this bike? <sighs> yeah, I really want this bike. Well, that's way too expensive. Isn't there like a cheaper one? No, but I really, really want this mongoose. It's so cool. All right, well, let me think about it. It's the same exact scenario. We're just a bunch of, now we're adults now buying fire trucks. It's very similar, very similar. Ah, this mongoose doesn't have a gyro, gyro, so it's a little bit cheaper. All right, we'll go over there this afternoon. Okay. Yeah. And that's how it's, it's very similar, very similar, I, I find. Speaking of your dad, I wanted to talk a bit about him today uh, before, before I let you go. Uh, yeah. Chief Greco's father was uh, once chief of Hasbro Heights. He has a very interesting history. If you ever want to, I mean, for, for a guy, you know, like with the, with the, with the natural gas explosion of, of, of his house early, early on. But um, what's interesting is, as you mentioned in the beginning uh, about how uh, from day one, you know, you know, the, the fire service has been a part of your life. You have not only had a chance to, well, I, I could be wrong on this. I, believe you volunteered with your dad at one time yes, at Heights. Retired, yeah. Um, yep. But at the same time, you've had an opportunity to work with your dad. Yes. Uh, because he was also a Hackensack Fire Department dispatcher. Yes, he was. Um, but I wanted to to talk a little you 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 touched on some things in the beginning, long time fire buff. Um, but what I mean yeah I'm telling you you sound like your dad when you imitate the uh when you imitate him doing the bike i mean i was i was here yeah, I, I, I got uh, i got it down i you know i learned we practiced that work uh, for, several, for several hours the guys at the table I would, I would do a fake mustache like this and the voice and everything i got it down pretty good yeah hard to great hard, yeah one of my favorite stories about your dad um and i'll have to i'll have to kind of clean it up a little bit but uh Right. <laughs> you were one of the FDICs back in the day. You were young. You were probably in the 18 to 20 year zone. I'm, I'm not positive, but right. um, you were there. You were staying with him and he was snoring. And there was another firefighter with you. And you had you, Howard, you had yeah. a fire extinguisher. And no, you were like, come on. No, it was worse. It was an SCBA cylinder. Yeah. Was, and you're like, come on, snore again, snore again. Snore again. And I did it. And it was a disaster. <laughs> but, you know, he, he, he snored so loud and I couldn't handle it. I grabbed the SCBA cylinder under one arm. And like I said to you before, we used to lift weights a lot. So I was strong and not so much anymore. I grabbed the SCBA cylinder. And I'll, has anybody ever heard an SCBA cylinder turn on when it's not hooked up to anything? It's <laughs> deafening. And I mean, it destroyed the room. I mean, everything <laughs> on the countertops went flying. It was like earth shattering loud, woke everybody up, you know. But uh, yeah, that's the kind of relationship I have with him. We're, we're like, you know, we're like friends because we were firemen together, you know? So it, 
it's been a uh, you know, uh, when we talk talk a little bit about Ten Town Tony because that's oh, I mean yeah. your father I mean like people yeah. don't understand I talked about North Jersey and it's a unique area and stuff I don't know if there's a more well known individual in Northern <laughs> New Jersey yeah. you know at least in terms of your your area there uh, than than your dad I mean you know just just uh, the fact that uh, when we went to Rochelle Park uh, a couple weeks ago to do some filming. Um, you know, he's the one who got us in, you know? Um, right, right, so talk, talk right. about, talk about, talk about 10 town Tony, cause I've never met somebody with probably as good a sense of humor about himself. Uh, right, as right, dad. right, right. He's, well, he's very, he's politically incorrect. He's loud curses, everything. And, and guys love it. Guys love it. And, uh, he's called 10 town Tony from one fire in particular, but he, he was very heavy with calling mutual aid. Um, and at one fire in particular, they did count 10 towns at the fire. Uh, 10 different municipalities that showed up to help out. And, uh, you know, that was just the way he was. And, but in order, and I tell guys all the time, you know, guys make jokes about it and and some guys make jokes about it and you don't know if they're joking or if they're kind of being serious where it's like a negative joke Mm because there is negative jokes in the fire service. We all know about these people, right? (laughs) They actually don't like you, but they'll come out with a joke instead of saying, I don't like you. So there's, so there's that. Um, but at the end of the day, to be called 10 Town Tony, that means you had to have some working structure fires to call 10 Towns at. So at the end of the day, joke or not, they had a significant amount of fire duty when he was chief. There was one guy in particular that calls it the Warriors. Um, my father had, as I said before, a huge fire buff. There was a uh, deputy chief in Newark that told my father, always remain an alarm above the fire, regardless of what is going on. Remain an alarm above. If you've got a second alarm, start your third alarm out and so on and so forth. And he listened to that. So when he became chief, the position I'm in, I'm in now, that's the way he rolled. And they were going to fires all the time. I mean, they did. It, it was wild. And I was there for it. I was, the, I was the kid in the chief's car with my father. I was there for it. It was wild. I mean, it wasn't uncommon for this little Small little volunteer fire department to roll on up to heavy fire on arrival minimum once a month. Um, it was, you know, at, at one at one time, I can remember they had a house fire. They had a critique the next morning during the critique. They had a house fire right then and there. <laughs> it, I mean, it was it was it was crazy. Um, so we always believed in being alarm, uh, being an alarm ahead of the fire. And they called him Town Town Tony. Now you fast forward. Uh, year, years later, and I'm, I'm taking a class with Anthony Avillo on, on uh, you know, it was a command class. And he said in the class, if I don't have guys standing down the street, nothing to do, there's a problem. So I'm like, holy cow, that goes right back to this whole 10 town Tony thing. You know, so you'll see uh, somebody made a joke and they called me mutual aid Mike. <laughs> I'm like, you know, what? I really don't care. Uh, you know, my working fire assignment is, is, is built up. And uh, I rather, as John Davis would say at my, at my job, I rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. And I got to tell you, that it's the truth. If you got to work and fire and there's heavy work, I call it heavy work. There's heavy work to be done. You don't have enough guys to do it. That's a problem. If I have a lot of guys in the street with nothing to do, yeah, they're aggravated, but it's not a problem. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really not a problem. And that's how he, that's how he based his fires. And I got to tell you, that's how I based my fires too. You know, now, from time to time in Hackensack, uh, you ride the seat. Uh, 
stand, you know, standing in like uh, acting captain or acting. I, I don't just, know. I thought. I, no, I'm not an act. I'm not an acting uh, officer. But no. do you do you ride the seat at all? I thought you did. No. I thought there was a. I mean, you must have been. Ha- it must have been Hasbro Kite. Your dad was there. He was doing his live thing. Uh, oh yes, one one in, one in particular fire. I I wasn't a seat, but that's not a typical thing for me. All right. I'm not, I'm not on a lieutenant's examination or I, I haven't taken any of that stuff. Yeah, I enjoy. Well, yeah. that kills my next question, Mike, because I was going to say, did you ever get to talk to your dad on the radio, you know, while you were riding the seat? Oh, yeah. It's only been oh, once, yeah. you know. <laughs> no, no, plenty of times, um, you know, in hack attack, sometimes if you, uh, you might have a radio problem or you can't get the incident commander because he's busy. Hackensack has the capability of uh, talking. The desk is able to talk to you on fire ground as well as our channel one channel. So I, I've, I've dealt with my father many a times uh, at work. Uh, I had my father wake me up in the dorm at work like he would when I was a kid going to school. And I just had flashbacks and I'm like, dude, leave me alone. I, I just like, no. <laughs> you know, so, no, I, I, I went through I went through it all with him, with him. You know, how hard is it not to bust his stones on the radio? Oh, God. Oh God, it, it, it was every day. There's things that he doesn't like that I say that I say on purpose. And, you know, the, you know, there's, you know, he, after, after every fire run, he calls me up. I don't like the way you said that. That was unprofessional. I don't care what you say. It, it, it's, it's a, it's a back and forth game, you know, all the time. And, and you know, it's, it's cause he, you know, he's still, he's still into it. You know, he buffs, he's still, he's still very much into it, you know, and he's an, he's an older guy, you know, but he's retired. So I call him Firewire Greco. That's mm-hmm. what I usually I'll uh, uh, for uh, uh, our fire engineering uh, web editor, uh, Pete Prokilo. Um, I'll always because uh, I mean, I'm, I'm on Facebook during the day, you know, as, as part of my job monitoring things. And, um, you know, I'll always I'll be like Firewire Greco's got a job that, you know, you know, not not far from you or something or something. Yeah, like sure. That. He's because I mean, he's out there all the time. And it's funny. You watch him and it, you know. He, he was the he was the buff photographer. Then he was running his video business. And now, you know, he's Mr. Social Media Facebook Live. You know, I'm surprised sure. he doesn't have his own TikTok. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't doubt that that's coming soon. But he's uh, yeah. He, you know what? He he loves the fire service. But the good thing about him is that he accepts that he's retired. He accepts it. So he goes, all right, well, I can't be a fireman anymore, but I could go buff fires. You know, I could take pictures for the guys and, you know, it, it helps with training. It helps with different things. So he could be involved in, in that way. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. you know, he and I, I wish more guys and, you know, and it was going off of a, a Facebook post I put last week that I think was misinterpreted by many, <laughs> but it was interpreted by many the right way, too, was sometimes guys retire and they understand, like, you know what? My time has come. I'm done. But I could provide this i could take pictures for you guys or i could make food for you guys or i could go you know i can do stuff so it doesn't mean that you have to be out of the fire service completely but everybody has a job to do they really you know it's the truth and he i gotta tell you he accepts that more than anybody i know and i and it's i find that amazing about him because he came from an era of being when the 70s was probably the best time to be a fireman ever I mean, really think about it. I mean, everybody was on the backstep of a fire truck. And I know all you 70s farmers are listening. I don't care. <laughs> you guys were on the backstep of a fire truck. Half of you guys were drunk. You were going to more fires. You were having a great time. And I know you guys are probably smirking and it's the truth. So I could get it that 
stepping away from the fire service can be difficult. So I watched my father step away from it and he's fine with it. He's fine with it. That's awesome. Well, for those who uh, don't know, Tony likes to call himself the official FDIC photographer. Um, so you will, for those of you who are going to FDIC, you will see him around. What you got to look for is a guy. He, he'll probably be complaining about a hip or uh-huh. maybe, or maybe something in the leg. Uh, for as much as he loves it, you know, that that's part of his, that's part of his shtick, but you got to be looking for him. He's got, he's got the, uh, he's got the single, single pod. He's, it's not a tripod. It's just a single pod that he uses to keep the camera steady. You'll see him all over the place at FDIC and you should, uh, you should absolutely stop, stop him and say hello and, and ask him. He, Cause you know, he's a character. He is, he does have his opinions, but he is a, uh, I have found to be a wealth of knowledge. Um, and it, and it does, a lot of it does stem from your response area and just the experiences he's had. But, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's been interesting, you know, watching you through this whole process, because my first introduction to you was probably after the first FDIC I spent with your dad, um, telling me about all the covers he got on fire engineering, and, you know, how, <laughs> yeah. you know and, yeah. and especially yeah. the ones, especially the ones with, with you in them. And I, I remember the, the bus rescue because I was, uh, I think I was fire engineering's web editor at that point. Yeah, that was 2005 um, that happened. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like I, I, I've been there for a few of them. So, yeah. uh, yeah. but, uh, we, we've been on for a while. I want to be respectful of your time. It is your day off. So thank you very day much off. for, for joining me. I think, I think we've got a lot to talk about at, on another podcast because, uh, sure. well, first sure. of all, as, as the rig's being built by who, by whoever you, you go with, you know, we're going to want to talk to you about that. We're going to want to talk about it once it's in, uh, I don't think it'll be long before it sees some work, you know, and you'll be able to yeah. absolutely take, you know, all of those, not, not arguments, but all of those reasons you laid out for the town council or however it is, board of commissioners, I'm not, uh, yeah. you know, and you'll be able to, you'll be able to say at that first job, this is exactly what, you know, what, what we needed it for, as you can see, you know, and, and you'll be able to probably, you know, measure it just in terms of, you know, uh, not not injuries necessarily, but you know slips and trips or or, or whatever, and you'll be able to say you know uh, with with the rescues in particular, you know like like the rescues being down. So it sounds like you're building a truck that is going to be a fire truck first, which is which is always a good thing. I'll I'll be opinionated on that. You know, always a good thing for it to be it's, a fire truck first. A, it is it is a tool. I tell everybody, this is this is do not be emotionally attached. <laughs> The fire truck. It is a tool. It's no different than a Halligan tool. It's a tool. See, that's a difficult thing for me to do because um, uh, I'm a sentimental guy. And, you know, me too. Oh, me too. uh, We, we, we recently, um, and uh, I've said this, uh, I've written about it too. People are probably getting tired of hearing about it. When I joined the fire company back in 1993, we had two 1981 American LaFrance engines, uh, Century Chassis. I loved these. If, if you hear them, they sound like what a fire truck is supposed to sound like to me. Um, unfortunately, when, you know, when we replaced those two vehicles, we couldn't keep them. You know, we had, you know, part of the budget process to replace was to sell, you right. know, and then use that money toward the purchase of new ones. Sure. So a couple of years ago, uh, we found that. So they were sold to a company in Western Pennsylvania who then sold them to a, a private owner. Um, and he actually let, 
a fire company in Virginia used them because they were still in, in real good working order. Um, yeah. And uh, one thing that that occurred when we were uh, looking to replace, uh, we were yeah, we were replacing two. Um, right. And one of the things we, we learned that they had just they had just been both of them had just been moved to a to a museum because the 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 fire company that had been using them they were still in working condition the fire company that had been using them um were uh uh that had upgraded obviously i mean there were 81 lafrances i mean you know you, you gotta you gotta do it at some point so anyways we got an opportunity to take one back we leased one uh while we were waiting we didn't use it it didn't get it never functioned as an engine uh just be, i mean it's in 81 uh we used it for personnel uh, sure. uh, so anyways, so that emotional attachment, I'm already emotionally attached to it again. I hope we never have to give it up. We're, sure. we're we yeah. still have it up here. Yeah. We're, we're having trouble finding a place to house it, but the owner has said, you guys can keep it and use it as long as you want. We, we, uh, we, I would not say we restored it, uh, sure. but we, we did change it's all lettered as weldon fire company again like like we sure. had it back in the day so sure. it's just funny you mentioned that emotional thing yeah uh, i'll tell you what it, it's, it's a lot easier for me to not get emotionally attached to the trucks we build today than sure. that one the old because one, right? i mean it was the first one i came in on but it's also such a unique looking fire all of them back back at sure, that point right. you, you know, know the, the old max you know yeah. the old i mean even, even like when i was a kid uh, my father had built a 1990 c grave ra 110 heavy duty ladder they were unique there wasn't a lot of them around city of hackatack had one hasbrokites a few other places but it uh it looked like a new york city rig but it was not it was a it was a 110 ra heavy duty the thing was literally a tarot ladder but without a bucket on the front of it it was a monstrosity it was a freaking crane you know, big 18th foot jack spread. The thing was a monster. Um, and I, you know, I was emotionally attached to that rig. I'm like, oh my God, I love this truck. But it was the first ladder truck I ever rode, you right. know. So now it's when it, and I was on the cover of, that's, we talk about the cover of Fire Engineering Magazine. Right. I was on the cover of Fire Engineering Magazine with that truck, um, you know, with my sister. Prior to that truck being scrapped, the day before it was scrapped, I took my son and my daughter and I put them on the bumper of that truck and I took the same exact photo. Oh, that's great. Um, so, and then it was scrapped and that was the end of it. So, it, you know, but when in, you know, so I do have that emotional attachment. I understand what you're saying, but when you go to purchase a new vehicle, try not to put the emotion into it. Cause then before you know it, you end up putting all sorts of stuff that you want to put on because of the heritage that, the pride, the, the ownership, the traditions of your fire company on that rig. And before you know it, there's no money to do what you had to do tactically, you know, or, you know, and, and you're, and so I, my thing is build a truck for what you needed to do. And at the very end, okay, we have a little bit, we can, now we can put in, okay, whatever, whatever we're going to put over the top, it's going to say this or whatever. If you want to put your gold leaf, if you have, if you have enough money, whatever you want to do, but the, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is build yourself an operational rig first and then everything else second. Perfect. I think that's a great way to wrap this one up. But I do want to I do want to do another one of these as, as sure. the process continues. And there's a lot of other stuff to talk about when we when we talk about apparatus. And like I said in the beginning, uh, you know, one of the things I've always appreciated is your candor with this stuff. It's very no nonsense. It's very practical. 
You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. this is you what know, we're here to do, and this is what I'm, we need I'm to brutally, do. I'm brutally honest with people. Sometimes it works out really well. Sometimes it doesn't, but hey, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, Chief, my, my thanks to you for, for, uh, for, for being with us today. Again, this has been Talking Trucks and Equipment. First one in a while, so I'm, I, I, think, uh, I, think, I think we hit it out of the park for, for the first one that, uh, that we've done in a while. But we're going we're gonna to get this back up and running again. And, uh, you know, keep, keep an eye out on fireapparatus.com for it. And again, this has been Chris McClune with Chief Michael Greco from Hasbrook Heights and Hackensack. Have a good one, Mike. And I hope hopefully I'll see you soon. You know, hopefully I'll be up there again soon. I do make it up there a bit uh, during Westchester. We'll be in Westchester, Pennsylvania starting tomorrow. So, again, ah, perfect. Come by. Come by at Fire Academy. We'll be there Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Great. All right. Thanks again, Mike. And we'll have everybody else have a good one and stay safe. Thank you. Thanks for having me.